Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Hello there. Welcome to Growing in Grace, the podcast. Uh, you can find us at growingingrace.org. All the past podcasts are all archived there. Um, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, and I guess uh, Google Podcasts is going bye-bye. They're doing away with that, so you can do um, YouTube Music now. So if you have YouTube Music, you can export your Google Podcasts um, over to uh, YouTube Music and listen there. So they're going to be focusing on podcasts there in addition to music. And uh, again, everything that we've ever done, also podcast at growingingrace.org. My name is Joel Brzezinski. Mike Kapler is with me. It's the Breeze Man in the Cap, and we're doing our weekly podcast, um, helping to get out the good news of the security that we have in Jesus Christ. I don't know, we've, we've been talking about the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ. Before that, a few weeks ago, we were talking about being right with God and how do you know that you're right with God. And it all comes down to what Jesus did, not what we do, not our works, not our behavior, not our performance, not our confession of sins. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. If, if you're relying upon anything other than what Christ did, then you can probably understand why you're up and down in, <laughs> in where you think you stand with God, uh, because as humans, our behavior, our performance is up and down. It's spotty. It's, it's not perfect. It's not always consistent. Maybe you have some level of consistency in your life, but you know that there's something that's not totally perfect about you know, your life. So if a person is basing their standing with God on that, then they're going to be up and down in, in one measure or another. But when you base your justification, your righteousness, your right standing with God, your salvation, your forgiveness, um, your security, if you base it upon what Christ has done, you do stand secure. He has lavished his grace upon us, and what Christ did is what perfected us. It's nothing that we've done. So we're continuing to talk about this and helping, hopefully, to encourage people in the security, in the surety of what we have in Christ Jesus. The surety, uh, that's from Hebrews 7. Uh, one translation says the guarantee, Jesus became the guarantee of a better covenant than what the Israelites were under for those many centuries under the law of Moses. So, yeah, what we've been talking about, it's important stuff for all of us to to have this peace and this, this assurance, uh, blessed assurance we sing the song sometimes in the church buildings, but then the, the sermon that follows seems to provide people sometimes with anything but assurance. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> sometimes you walk out feeling worse than when you went in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and when that happens, the good news was probably absent. I mean, that's just the way it works, unfortunately. And and churches are filled with people who are experiencing that. Like you said, uh, roller coaster religion, kind of a yo-yo Christianity, just up and down when you're doing good, or at least in your own mind you think you are, then uh, 
you you feel good about it. You feel confident. But our confidence isn't in our ups and downs and our ability to try to conquer. It's based upon Jesus Christ and what he did to conquer. And because he's a conqueror, so are we, but it's because of him. It's not because of our doing. So forgiveness is what we've been on the last couple of programs. And we'll try to see if we can't get to our finish line here on this uh, as quickly as possible. Something we've talked quite a bit about over the years. We've got a lot of podcasts on this over the last 19 plus years, now in our 20th year. And uh, we've, we've discussed 1 John 1, nine. I mean, we got this one verse in there that has tripped people up. Like I mentioned before, it tripped me up for a long time, a couple of decades as a young person uh, trying to live this Christian life effectively. Uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, before we provide a little context, which I'm going to let Joel do that, before we provide a little context on 1 John chapter 1, the entire chapter, I'll just mention that when you take a look at the context, you'll begin to see that John isn't starting out the letter speaking to believers. He's talking uh, to people who are unbelievers, and we'll explain that here in a moment. But a couple of other verses I just want to throw out to keep in the back of your mind as, as we get into that, and that is First uh, John chapter 2. Now, this is where he starts to address his disciples, my little children, his, his students, uh, believers, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation of our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, I know there are some out there who would say that he's saying not for us Jews only, but, you know, John, it's believed by many historians, is writing to uh, people who would be in a, a mixed culture, not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. And there really isn't a whole lot of law talk going on here from John in his letter. But he is the propitiation, Jesus is, for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Later on in the letter, John will come back around on this. Again, there's a, this context, this continuation of thought of what he said earlier in the letter. And he says this, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is, here's that confession word again, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God God abides in him and he in God. That's the confession. So we have to, so John goes on, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us, to believe in the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world there's no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear fear has to do with punishment whoever fears has not been made perfect in love joel i know there's people out there who who have a, a certain element of fear about whether they're forgiven or not right <laughs> it's, it's hard to function when you have that kind of a contrast going on in, in your mind yeah and it's I like what John said, you know, so that you may know, <laughs> so that you may know, um, th so that you may know that you're forgiven, so that you may know that you're saved, so that you may know that you're righteous and justified. That's why 
so many of these epistles were written, you know, to, to clear up some misconceptions that people had about Christ. And one of those was the fear of whether I need to add my works or, or my confession or, or whatever. And there were so many things that people believed that were false. And people such as Paul and, and John wrote to clear up some things. And one thing that he was doing in First John, one thing that John was doing was he, was he was clearing up a misconception at the beginning of the chapter that had to do with some teachings that were going on, some beliefs that were being brought into the church, into the ecclesia, not, not into a church building, so to speak, but just into things that were being mixed into the gospel message that were false. And John starts off this epistle right at the beginning. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He's talking about Jesus there. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now, I'm emphasizing this because I think it's really important, all of this. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And all these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So he's trying to let people know about Jesus here, that we have seen him, we have heard him, we have looked upon him, our hands, we've touched him. He was really real. He really came in the flesh. And the reason why it's so important that we know that is because there were people that did not believe that Jesus had come in the flesh, that he could really have been handled. There were certain people called Gnostics, and they believed that maybe Jesus came, but he was actually a spirit that was in the form. He looked like a human, but he wasn't really a human. That was an actual belief that was going on back in those days. That really was real. So John is writing to these people that Jesus really did come in the flesh and that there really was such a thing as sin because one of these things that these people believed was that all material, all matter is evil. And so it doesn't really matter what you do with your body because everything that's material, everything that's matter is evil. And so, and that's one reason why they believe that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, because God would never have sent Jesus in material form. That's really what they believed. You know, if, if all material was evil, then Jesus couldn't have come in the flesh. Well, John is saying that Jesus did come in the flesh. So that's the context of the rest of this first chapter here in John's epistle. And so he's saying that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, a believer you know, one who believes that Jesus had come in the flesh and died on the cross for our sins, wouldn't say we have no sin. So this wasn't for believers who who have already understood the sin problem and why Jesus came to die the death on the cross to take away sins. And so if we confess our sins, that word confess means to acknowledge or to say the same thing as. And he's talking about this understanding that there is such a thing as sin not our individual sins. He's not saying if we confess all the things that we've done. He's wanting these Gnostics to acknowledge that sin really did exist, that there really was a problem. And then they can understand that God has been faithful and just to forgive our sins through the cross and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I refer you back to the last two podcasts that we've done. 
where we talked about extensively how this forgiveness of sins came not through confession, but through the blood of Jesus, through Jesus coming to do God's will, dying upon the cross, being the propitiation for our sins, and all of this. Forgiveness came through that, not through confession. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Again, a believer is not going to say that we have not sinned. They came to Jesus knowing full well that they had sinned and that they needed the sacrifice of Jesus to be the propitiation for their sins. So it's not believers who are making him to be a liar, but it's these Gnostics who are making God to be a liar by not acknowledging the sin problem. So that's what John is trying to help these people to understand. Jesus really did come into the flesh. We really did see him and handle him. And if they will acknowledge that, then they can see uh, their need for Christ as a Savior. And then, like you said, at the next verse, at the beginning of what we call chapter 2, then John starts writing to my little children, these things I write to you. And he says all all these things now um, regarding believers, talking to believers and saying some things to them so that they may know that they have the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And the other thing I I would point out is if there were people there among them saying that they have no sin, that also wouldn't apply to Jewish people. Right. (laughs) The the Jews didn't deny that there was a sin problem. Right. Uh, They were under a law of sin and death, and they were spending much of their lives trying to battle that. They had animal Um, sacrifices for that, ongoing. Yeah, over and over, as we mentioned last week. So, yeah, and, and he does get into some pretty good stuff that we're probably going to run out of time for, even in, ch- in chapter two, where he's, he's writing to uh, his children, which is kind of an, a, an affectionate term for, for disciples, students, people that he had been with uh, and, and was, was trying to teach. Now he's writing back to them about some of this stuff. And as I mentioned, uh, what this, this confession, uh, you, you kind of hit it the way you said it there. Uh, it, it's not talking about the confession of individual sins. Blood has already been shed. And, you know, Paul referred to a confession back in Romans chapter 10. If, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confess, uh, confesses and is saved. So, Everyone who calls upon the, the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's this, a, a righteousness, a justification that comes through the confession of Jesus Christ. But the, the issue of forgiveness of sins, God took care of that through the blood of Jesus shed one time. Without the shedding of blood, the writer of Hebrews said, there is no remission, there is no forgiveness of sins. Well, there's there's no more blood being shed. I mean, the forgiveness faucet, as I like to call it, it's it's been turned off because the need has been met. Now it's just a matter of believing that that is true, experiencing and receiving that truth, and walking in the inheritance that has been given to us with eternal life through that confession of, of Jesus Christ. So, it's all very good because, again, as I mentioned last week, the, the math will not add up for you if you're going to try to keep up with your confession of individual sins. What happens if you miss one? Well, then we mm-hmm. do what I call the blanket confession. <laughs> well, God, I, I can't remember everything I might have done wrong, but I know there's stuff, and forgive me for all of it, and let me start over again. And then you think you've got a clean slate. That's no way to live, and God knew that. 
it's it's similar to how the Jews lived under the old covenant. This constant confession of sins. We we've just left out the animal sacrifices. Right. Um, so <laughs> confession doesn't bring the forgiveness. It was the blood of Jesus that did that. Now we can walk in that and be thankful for it. And and God empowers us now as as heirs, as believers in Christ, to walk in in the newness of life that we received. Yeah, and just I just want to add on to the end here, just so we can wrap up with First John one nine and First John one as altogether. Um, I skipped a part, starting at verse 5. John says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanses us from all sin. And so people will say that if you sin and you don't confess it, then you're not in the light, you're in darkness, or or you don't have fellowship with God, uh, and you walk in darkness, and you lie and don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one with one another. So people use these few verses uh, to say we're in and out of fellowship with God and even with each other. But again, he's referring to people who don't believe that Christ came in the flesh. And we can see from other things that are written, that Paul has written, for example, the believer is already in the light. First Thessalonians 5 says, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. For you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. That's Ephesians 5.8. We already have fellowship with God in Christ. First Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And in all of these things, Paul never says anything about because we've confessed our sins. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You can't have more fellowship than that. First Corinthians 6.17. And therefore, my brethren, you have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. You may be married to another. So this doesn't necessarily talk about Gentile believers, but the point is that we're married to another. We're joined to him who was raised from the dead, Romans 7, 4. We've already been cleansed of all sins. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 11. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. You read that a couple weeks ago, Ephesians 1, 7, and 8. And there are so many more things that we can find throughout the New what we call the New Testament writings, the New Testament epistles that show us that we already have these things. So we can't just take these few little verses and take them out of context in 1 John and uh, make a whole big doctrine out of them of confession of sins or, or we're not forgiven or we're not in fellowship or we're uh, not cleansed because all of these things have happened because of what Christ has done and not because of what we do. John's just trying to let these people know who don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh, that there really is such a thing as Jesus having come in the flesh, and there really was a sin problem. And he took care of that. He just wants them to believe that. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski, heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.